guaranteed not to be one of the greatest Formula E races of all time. It's Formula E in Hyderabad. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Welcome to episode 419 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and it's time for Formula E, and it finally made its debut in Hyderabad, and it was... Well, it was certainly a race. <laughs> it was also sheer, unbridled, Formula E-level chaos. In fact, it was so chaotic, it actually summoned one of our old co-hosts back on the show. Because with me, and I can't believe he's with me, because last-minute call, Ryan Eric King is here, everybody! <laughs> whoa, whoa, I'm not here for the race. Uh... <laughs> what are you here for? Have you seen the news? <laughs> and what news is this, King? Uh, let's let's just say someone got a little frustrated with their Neo and decided to head out on the open road in their Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> we did hear this news this morning that a certain a certain I love that the, the generic headline was racing driver courts, <laughs> which is just a tale as old as time, and it was Dan Tickton that got caught speeding on a British motorway around Staffordshire at 114 miles an hour, which, woof, that's, uh, it was, it was, <laughs> I actually tried right. defending him in our Discord server a little bit because, like, my dad's driven down the, down the M1 at those speeds. Like, Dad, if you're listening, like, don't even try and deny this, because this is absolutely what you did. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're being recorded right now, and, and you're confessing that your dad committed an offense that is arrestable. Your point? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Well, well, it's been a hot minute since Dan's victim's gone fast enough for people to notice. <laughs> to be fair, like, where does this rank on the, like, Dan Tictum power ranking scale of stories involving his Ferrari? Because anybody remembers when he made his Formula E debut last year and when he got to Monaco and the fact his Ferrari got clamped and towed. <laughs> well, oh. all I'm going to say is the specifics about the story is that, yes, he was going fast enough that he would have been arrested the thing was that it wasn't a police officer who spotted him he spotted on cctv meaning that there's plausible deniability that uh he wasn't the driver he's getting fined because the ferrari is his it's registered to him and he refuses to identify who was driving the ferrari oh. so he's just getting <laughs> fined for not identifying the driver uh, so uh, I, had, I had no idea it was driving i think it was some guy named uh tan dictum <laughs> <laughs> how about the will buxton name of dick tantrum um he, he blocked me on twitter for, for calling them out for that years ago it's hilarious um <laughs> i love that it was like no 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 constable i promise you it wasn't me they just sped the footage up <laughs> yeah because he would have like if he did admit that it was him it would have been way worse like we're talking about back you know in his what f4 days where you got a year banned for driving into the side of ricky collard under under safety car it, it's <laughs> wild to me this is just like yeah dan Tictum did a punishable offense pro probably yeah. probably yeah probably. it's like 
maybe like third on the list of crazy shit we've talked about him for on the server. Right. <laughs> There's a list. And the, it's, it's, it's like an episode of SpongeBob, but then the scroll just comes down, and it's just like the list of Dan Tixum's questionable bullshit. <laughs> and it, it just goes on forever. It's amazing. So, yeah, that, that was such a huge story. King insisted he had to come on the show and talk about it. So we're very lucky to have King here with us again, and joining us as well, as you probably already guessed by now, is Cam Buckley. How's it going, Cam? Uh, I've, I've been better. It's, it's been a rough month so far. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you do you dare explain why this intro is already out of pocket as it is <laughs> um all you need to know is that uh i'm in pain mm-hmm. um I, I i hurt my groin really badly moving something <laughs> so um yeah yeah, I, I, I'll spare everyone the details beyond that point. It, it's it's actually a yearly occurrence where I hurt myself badly in February because last year I blew my knee out this month. <laughs> we're, we're buying you a bunch of cling film, Cam, and we're just I, I, looking. I'm walking for- around. <laughs> I, I used to tell one of my coworkers that it's like, I'm just gonna wrap you in bubble wrap so you can't hurt yourself anymore. Yeah, just just wrap him in bubble wrap. Just lay him on his bedroom floor. And just like hope his Porsche diecast doesn't fall in his head or something, and just keep him there until March first. Okay, <laughs> there's how, still how time. Would play, how would I play Metroid Prime doing that? You, you could play it in your mind. It's, it's fine. not good enough. <laughs> it's like Cam Buckley will injure himself for a Metroid Prime reboot. <laughs> yes, yes, I will, and I will not deny it. Could you could you imagine like Cam Buckley's Tinder profile of Cam Buckley will tear nut for Metroid Prime reboot? <laughs> I'm gonna leave that there before Cam gets his shotgun and tries to find my house. I was um, say I'm 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 about to down some painkillers and take a flight over. <laughs> you know what? If you're also I'm like you know what, Cam, I can't even blame me for this one. And then get shot in the chest, um, which is like yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, as you probably would have guessed by now, we're going to talk a little bit about Formula E in Hyderabad, but like we've had to talk a little bit about a, a, a couple of interesting FIA stories at the top of the show. We did it, we did it last week as well, a couple of weeks ago with our um, last FE episode talking about Mohammed Ben Sulaim's, um what shall we say, busy month of January. Um, my was in some hot water, no multiple. T- <laughs> You know oh it's bad. you know it's bad when King, who knows the FIA at like the back of his hand, is like, you know what? No, <laughs> I'm a pass just... on this one. <laughs> oh yeah, you got to put. We got to put on the gloves. We got to put on the hazmat suits and delve back in. Yeah, we're doing that again because uh, there was a lot of fury about uh, because the FIA dropped this afternoon as we recorded this on the on uh, February seventeenth that. Uh, they, they've wanted. They've got further clarification on the quote, and I use this loosely in inverted commas. Changes to the um, free speech rules that uh, the FIA has put out there, and um, everybody's got a bit of a hubbub about it, King. And like, really, like you know the FIA better than anyone I know. Take these bag of snakes and lay them out as straight as you can. Can you can you do that for me, King? As a favor. <laughs> Oh man, I'm gonna get bit. <laughs> <laughs> I got the anti venom. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no black mamas here. No, you're good. I promise. So, I'll never do it to you. Basically, the long and short of it: drivers in any 
international competition. Doesn't it have to be F1? It could be the World mm-hmm. Endurance Championship. It could be the Formula E World Championship. Going forward this year, uh, cannot make any political statements before, during, or after races under most conditions. So mm. pretty much if you are on a broadcast camera, you can't make any political statements. There are a couple caveats saying that drivers can still make political statements on social media during events. And, uh, you know, if a member of, if an accredited member of the press asks them a direct question that would involve a political statement being the answer, then it's fine. Mm. I, I love the fact that uh, friend and colleague Scott Mitchell, mom over uh, from our delightful friends at the race, uh, literally hit hit up Twitter saying, "Wait, so I can still ask him a political question directly?" And then he posted a <laughs> GIF of He Man saying, "I have the power," <laughs> which <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. I have to say. Now, what gets me about this king is that I always thought this rule was always in place like i don't like is is this not like not a huge change from what the system was beforehand and this is more a case of clarification than anything else yes that is exactly it and the fi even mentioned it it's been a part of the international sporting code in some way shape or form since at least 1970 so what the hell are we all losing our minds over here? <laughs> like, like this. Look, okay, I get that the easy answer here is social media, um, yeah. and, and I know the long answer is probably a little bit more complicated than that. And it's probably regarding the timing of the clarification because it happened in January, quiet month, off season, off the back of Sebastian Vettel's retirement because I saw his name chucked around a lot, obviously because towards the end of his career he made a lot of what could be deemed as political statements regarding the black lives matter movement regarding the lgbt plus community regarding the environment and climate change um you know so i think people are like oh well the fia's jumping on the wagon now seb's gone and i'm like guys this rule's always been in place (laughs) and i I just didn't want to say it on social media and basically start world war three um by saying oh no guys it's it's kind of always been like this but i think it's and i think cam will allude to this as well because i said this during the last time when we talked about Miami and Sulaim as well it's very easy to make the fa the bad guys here isn't it it's just it's just so easy <sighs> yeah because at the end of the day someone has to be the cop in this situation and mm. in this case this rule has been around it's just as as drivers have been using their platform more and more the FIA has kind of had to reiterate a rule that they already have in place. Yeah, because I I think a lot of people have a short memory thanks to the uh, big thing that shut the entire world down. Mm -hmm. And people forget before the pandemic, the last time this rule was had to be used was when a certain American driver in Formula 2 tried to run a special one-off livery for the 4th of July in support of his favorite presidential candidate who wanted to make America great again. Uh, And the FIA said, no, you cannot do that. The the, the Donald. The Donald. Um, Yeah. uh, The man who will forever be known now as Santucci on this podcast. Um, Santucci. Did it also not pop up? uh, Was it the 2019... um, which was the U.S. Grand Prix 
that Lewis had worn the shirt after the race and had been pulled aside by the FIA. It was one of the it was one of those US races where he was told you can't wear it. Can't remember which one. I think yeah. Logan Sargent's dad tried it as well at one point when he was in Formula Three. I want to say yes, and I, I think I, I bring up those ones because obviously they're the the most recent ones mm. before you know uh, the pandemic. But it also brings up the idea that it is a double edged sword once you start allowing political speech at say international motorsport sports events it's not just the political speech you agree with that gets banned it's also the ones that would actively harm you would also get banned as well yes yeah, yeah. so it was it was actually it was the 2020 tuscan grand prix i got that wrong with um brianna taylor with the brianna taylor shirt yes which, yes um because i couldn't remember if it had happened before covid as well during um, in this case no. during yes <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, this is what I was going to get at, and this is was again, I like full disclosure. Of course, I I work for a company that's now technically under the race. We have friends, we talk. Um, just in case anyone goes after my neck, I need to clarify that. Like we talk, and I literally said, "Well, you've got." I I, I can't believe I said this, <laughs> and in in this chat, and I'm going to say it here as well. And I might get shot for saying this, but I'm going to say it. I actually feel a little bit sorry for the FIA. Now, before you send a dirty protest to my house, like, hear me out here, they have, they as a governing body has to take a neutral stance. Whether you like it or not, they have to be as neutral as they can be. One, because there's an IOC charter around that they have to kind of lean into a little bit here. Two, like you said, there are ma- like there are many countries that we race in in Formula One that have opposing views, and uh, that- you could see there's that what we're going to call them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm being gentle here. Yeah, I'm, you- I would just say there are many countries we race in that have views that don't align with the uh, principles, the principles that are commonly held within our Western democracies that, you know, mm-hmm. we, we've done things to try to install that way of thinking in that part of the world. And let's just say we shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. yeah. And the, the example that I used in that same group chat was, well, if Nikita Mazepin never got an F1 seat again, for example, and he wanted to race with a swastika on his helmet, would we be saying, you know, this is not a political statement, would we be would we be saying well he's got a race of it on you know you got you got you know, it's freedom of speech right <laughs> I guarantee you we wouldn't be giving him the same level of benefit of the doubt and no and and yeah like that is why as that's why sports governing bodies generally speaking have to take a neutral stance because it works both ways now not that I'm saying that anybody would reasonably ever actually put a swastika on a racing helmet of course not and of course we strongly condone that but at the same time. You gotta, unfortunately, we you gotta play the game here and be in the middle somewhere. Otherwise, it yeah, leads, it leads the to FIA problems as like the that. organizer. They ultimately become responsible when individuals from those countries who are not appreciative of those views make that dissatisfaction known. Yeah, it's um, pretty much yeah. that. The, the FIA does have to have a stance that you know the political views held and. Uh, 
held by our drivers are not our views right uh, but also yeah. from from the from the stance of people who want to use uh fia events as their platform yes it's not allowed and it's never been allowed but if you want to protest there there's gonna be consequences it's just a fact of protesting it's why it's a protest in the first place yeah someone's gonna be upset no matter what the protest is that's the whole point of a protest that's that's the whole point of it at the end of the day and look you what i'll keep we'll we'll keep it between us as a little secret gents the fia probably isn't going to enforce this all that hard yeah because well the entirety of the f1 uh drivers have basically said they're going to ignore this yeah and even if they didn't ignore it and they kept doing what they were doing like it's a PR disaster for anyone who tries to interject this, and right. and I and I'll also say that I have a feeling the teams encouraged, well, not encouraged, but said, if drivers, if you don't like it, say something about it, because we don't currently like the FIA right now either. So it kind of yeah. helps us if you're mad about it. Yeah, yeah, you know, like let's put it, let's put it to you this way: How many situations have you seen politically in the world in the world of Formula One? where Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen are on the same page. Cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. Ever. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, the team bosses have largely held a view similar to the FIA over the past couple of years. <laughs> Let's yeah. be honest. So it, if there's someone stopping the drivers from having political uh, using F1 as a platform for their political opinions, it's not the FIA. It's their employers. Right. Because mm. they, don't, they don't want that smoke either. Um, yeah. So if the, the, the drivers... Ultimately, you, you become a representative of your company in that situation. Yeah. And, you know, they certain teams do draw the line on this. Like, anyone forgotten Sebastian Vettel's Canada helmet from last year? Mysteriously, yeah. meant, mysteriously went missing on Saturday. That was never seen again. Um, mm. oh, no. oh, oh, man. What was the protest against? Who is he sponsored by? Uh. <clears throat> um, you know, world's biggest polluters. Um, you know, just just throwing that one out there. I can't I can't mention them by name because, uh, unfortunately, other they job. They sponsored you, too. <laughs> <clears throat> If we speak, we are in trouble. No, no, no. If Dre speaks, he's in trouble. We can mention Aramco all we want, but moving on. You're a bastard kid. You know that, right? (laughs) See, what now has to happen happen is that we now need to bleep out that word. No, no. Shell are wonderful people. Anyway. um, (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, it it seemed Uh. like any time free speech is going to get mentioned and every time the drivers are going to mention free speech, people are going to get into a big hubbub about it because we now expect more from our athletes to be role models and to, you know, back, shall we say, left-leaning activist causes like climate change and obviously racial matters, diversity, etc. And yeah, again, it's very easy to paint the FIA to be the bad guys in this scenario. Again, I think this is more a matter of choosing who your cops are and which one you want to back. Which is exactly what we said yeah. last time around when we talked about Mohammed Ben Sulaim and his battle between F1 and the FIA. Um, and it's, I think it's a similar case here. I, I actually think the FIA is kind of caught in the middle here because, you know, 
let's let's say for example we race again in Qatar and Lewis Hamilton has a rainbow colored helmet it's not going to be the FIA and it's probably not going to be Formula One that's going that's going to have a huge problem with this the local promoters on the other hand um yeah. they might do and yeah. I, I like we we saw it with the world cup where mm. uh people forget it's international sport is two words international mm. is the first one it's a community of nations and some parties who choose to host international events forget that and when they are the host you do somewhat have to play by their rules but yeah. they don't run the show and i'm pretty sure if, if lewis hamilton did it again Probably get a fine from the FIA. We'd be mad about it online, but he still got the protest regardless. Yeah, and which, I think Hamilton, which I hope he does. Yeah, and I think Hamilton would happily pay that fine tomorrow, given he's already donated twenty plus million of his own back pocket towards activist clauses and and, and whatnot. So I think you know a, a, a small financial fine to make it look like the FIA is enforcing its rule, but to keep the locals happy is probably actually a fair compromise for all parties. Who would have thought? Yeah, <laughs> and the wall keeps turning. But hey, welcome to another edition of FIA Politics on Motorsport 101. Should we talk about Formula E for a minute? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but before we do that, especially uh, this, you can find us real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Or, or on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. If you to follow our personal handles, you can at Ryan Eric King, at CPuckley917, and at Dre underscore WTF1. That's I'm about to read that combination out. That's a weird one. You can back us financially on Patreon if you like us. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101 as well. And all of those details and extra stuff on our website, Motorsport101.com. Check that out if you have already right let's talk about some electric cars in hyderabad because this was fun can you can you detect the pain in the jaguar fan's voice there <laughs> i have no idea what, what, what you're talking about here look look now say that without crying <laughs> Uh, in Formula E, only three things in life are certain. Death, taxes, and chaos. And amazingly, one of the craziest races since that damp day in Valencia, John Eric Verne held on from a rampant Nick Cassidy at the end of the race, despite the Kiwi having a 3.5% battery capacity advantage over the line. Yeah, Verne won somehow i don't know i still don't quite know how he pulled that off but he did um with cassidy second and then hang on sorry we've had to we've had to remove sebastian remy from the podium he originally crossed the line in third place but uh had to be removed because uh the old crossing the finish line at double zero trick um that didn't work out for him Overdone, overdone on power, was given a drive-through penalty. It was converted into time. And that was there was deemed to be 17 seconds. It dropped him all the way to 15th, and that bumped up. Cam, it's your bands. Antonio Felix da Costa up to third <laughs> in the, the end. The, the shambling corpse of Antonio Felix da Costa has finally snagged a podium for Porsche. Yeah, and uh, championship leader Pascal Verlein right behind him in fourth after qualifying. What was it, 15th or something, Cam? <laughs> Say that again. Say that again. 15th. No, 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 no before that. Championship leader Pascal Verlein. No, Say no, that one we more should, time. We should mention, we should also mention Pascal Verlein, championship leader, was in the hospital the night before. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, put the car a big, 
as a big big off rode off the tub came back the next day yeah it was yeah i want to say it was it i want to say it wasn't it might have been a glitch in the ecu that did it basically yeah it was it, it was something it was mechanical based it wasn't skill issue it was his car broke and next thing you know he clattered into that turn one wall it was a horrible wreck um that to fix the tub through the night and yeah they, they gave pascal the once over in the local hospital but yeah as, as king quite rightly said came back from a hospital trip same day finished fourth extends championship lead more more on more as to how that happened in a moment but he, he just keeps passing these effing cars. <laughs> he's he's doing the one thing that Cam's been asking him to do all these years, and it's finally happening for him. Two or two ridiculous comebacks already this season for Pascal. Um, Be- and yeah. Better late than never. No kidding. Um, so after all of that, and after all the shit we've given DS powertrains on this show so far this year, a DS powertrain goes and friggin' wins. Um, of course, speaking of shambling corpses. <laughs> Jeff's first win in over two years, which is crazy when you think about it. He's probably Formula E's greatest driver ever. <laughs> and I know it's a short-lived series, and relatively speaking, but Jeff wins. How is there hope for DS powertrains here, gentlemen? Like, have we got something here? <laughs> Looking at the championship look- standings, those hopes are real dim. <laughs> they, they, they were they were better this weekend, though, at least yes. on pace. I mean um kind of going through all the ds's Vern was he was good all weekend yeah everything else maybe not so much it's weird because you if you look at the rest of the plethora of ds powered cars here Gunther was running decently well but then got caught up in an incident we'll talk about in a moment um Edo Mortara smashed two front wings in the space of two days because he did it in practice as well but he did it again in the race crunched the front wing is that his fourth major crash this year i think it is if i keep if if i'm keeping count because he had one in in um he had he had one in in deria as well didn't he in in qualifying and he had yeah he's and he had he's he's been tearing up all their spare parts (laughs) he's he's putting uh the msg sports groups uh uh repair bills through the roof so far which is not what you expect from Edo Mortar who's one of the best drivers in the series but uh yeah he crunched the front wing early doors in the race dot 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 spoiler alert he still finished 10th um somehow we still got a point over it but it was just one point and Stoffel the reigning series champion eighth and not really featured prominently in that race at all it was just in the midfield Got some good points there. in the end. He was there. He existed. His, his attendance was confirmed. So I'm a bit cautious before we start waxing too much lyrical about DS here. But because well, well, again, the, the signature perhaps of this race, um, I mean, Jake Dennis was having a great race up until he was mounted mm-hmm. um, by one Rene Rast. It's again, Porsche's race pace is just devastating. Yeah, and even though they don't qualify well, I mean, especially Verline and uh, DaCosta did not have a good day in qualifying. Through other people's misfortune and just good energy management, they just tore their way back up through the field. Sometimes it really is that simple. Um, I mean, King, are you still holding out hope for Stoffel season? I know, I know, I know it's one of your favorite pastimes. Oh man, we're a quarter of the way in through the year. Stoffel's what last weekend was the highest he's finished all year like this is not looking good 
if your highest finish of the year is eighth, Three, four and rounds. you are the reigning world champion, there is probably not a lot of hope for you. Yeah, especially when your teammates just won as well, even, you know, which is not ideal. It was good to show you that there clearly is something in this car um, because you, you don't fluke a win in Formula E that often, dot, dot, dot. Um, if, we've had stranger times in this series, believe it or not. But um, even so, for, for Jeff to end up winning that race, and like I said, he held off Nick Cassidy behind him. And Cassidy had... I want to say 6% going into that final lap. If anything, yeah, Envision was, wasn't aggressive enough earlier. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah he, he was, what, 3% three, 3 up at by least the 3%, end of the final lap. Yeah. Uh, over 3% up. Um, just couldn't find a way past. Uh, Vern put on really a defensive clinic on the last lap. Parked it. Parked the entire bus, mm. the bus fleet at the hairpin, and we just couldn't do anything about him. Yeah, like, look, to be fair, I, I do think a little part of this is the fact that it was really hard to pass in Hyderabad in general. There was one passing zone, and that was the attack mode hairpin. And that, I didn't see another pass anywhere else on track for the entire rest of the race. <laughs> so that probably is did it me. Hmm. Am I imagining things, or is that a little bit of a feature this year that it's been a little harder to pass with these cars than the previous cars? I, I said it last year when they when they unveiled the when they announced the specs for the gen 3 cars mm. these cars are faster they're gonna outgrow the circuits to go to and surprise surprise it happened yeah it, it's certainly i think there's something to that cam and, and yeah king did call it last year and he was still a regular on it but yeah that these i mean they would they were flirting with like 200 mile an hour top speed projected you know, 450 brake horsepower by old combustion engine numbers. Like, and they're racing on tiny street circuits. Tiny, relatively yeah, the, speaking. They're, yeah, they're only the like Kings a handful. Couldn't have put it better. Mm. Uh, the, yeah, like, I don't think King could have put it better. The the cars have kind of hit the point where they are outgrowing the circuits they're running on. And But that's the thing. What makes it doubly frustrating is that Hydra was a brand new track. They could have seen this coming. They knew what the spec of these cars were going to be going out quite a long way. So when you're organizing yes. the structure of a track, why is this, why have we still got one that's so friggin' tiny? Well, well, yes, but you're limited to the area that the city gives you to conduct the race in and the roads that are already there. Yeah. But the thing is, they knew that when they signed the contract to race here. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... It feels like these cars are now at the point where they could graduate to proper circuits, but that doesn't really fit into Effie's like self-crafted image. But they're, they're, I'd say there's some circuits on the calendar that can currently accommodate these cars fine. So like yeah. later in the year when they go to Berlin or Monaco, the racing will be fairly similar. Yeah. Yeah, but Monaco, like, but even then, we've graduated from the the Monaco FE track to the full circuit with fantastic mm. results, I might add. Mm. Um, so I think we're kind of at that point where some of the tracks do work, and we still do get good racing. I'd say more often than not in FE, but there's other tracks where you you really are going to have to look at do these cars are are these cars now too fast for these tracks? 
I was thinking that to myself in theory, but I wanted to see more evidence before really following through with my opinion on that. But I think King's right. I think we are starting to see us get to that breaking point. Because like I said, Hydrobab was, was a one overtake track. 100%. So uh, people are saying, oh, that, that's Jeff's greatest Formula E drive. This is like one of the best Formula E races ever. And I'm like, whoa, calm down. Like, <laughs> it was, it, he was in a move. All the greatness of the race was not from passing an action it was action and chaos yeah it was absolutely wacky um yeah it's uh it's and i don't think yeah i don't think this series did itself many favors here with the track layout and whatnot but hey it made jev like a superhero so why not right um it's you know who didn't look like a superhero oh no (laughs) sam bird oh well, just like just like the football club he supports, Manchester United, you have to find a new way to kick their fans in the dick. And <laughs> and please, please, real life Bond villain, come save us. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I mean, we, we, we I could put this off no longer. We got to talk about just how chaotic this race was, and there was multiple incidents that were just, what the hell is going on here? And the main one was. Sam Bird completely missing his breaking point, locking up into that same attack mode hairpin chicane we mentioned earlier, <laughs> plow straight into the rear of Mitch Evans' car, and in the process, collects and traps, briefly, Sasha Fenestraz and Max Gunther's cars, um, who are both trying to take their attack mode on the outside line. I'm like, oh, look, there's a Jaguar here. Oh, wait, there's two... Ja- oh, hang on. Um, that's a wall. Um... <laughs> Uh, shout out shout out to mitch evans radio message he was already incensed previously by (laughs) losing positions under his uh by taking attack mode first he said yep fucking mega yeah like i don't normally plug other people's content on this show but i I have to mention if you have not seen the radio mess the radio message video from from hydroman on full minaries youtube channel it is well worth five minutes of your time because uh evans was already livid <laughs> given that he had lost the lead he, he did start this race from pole got the Big whole mad. shot yeah got the whole shot was leading early on but then jag told him to take his attack mode early it was first attack mode early and then lost track position to jev buemi um and cassidy um so he had already was already down three spots was looking like it was going to win but to going to being off the podium and then the same lap He's literally claiming his engineers lying to him about how much regen his rivals are doing. <laughs> and then seconds later, he gets turned around by his own teammate. And as Cav says, he just says on the radio, fucking mega. And it's like, <laughs> you can tell that's that's a New Zealander in him. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> The angriest Kiwi alive. The New Zealanders who are known for being the most chill, nice people in the world fucking mega um basically and yeah absolutely bird has taken him out he's ruined fenestras and absolutely exploded as well and the good for who's the most mold-mannered man here was like oh, that's incredible mate well while he's stuck he's stuck in the middle of all these cars it's <laughs> amazing he's like the most mold-mannered man in the world clearly um Bird, I believe, has been given, I think it's a five-place grid drop for the next round in Cape Town as a result of that incident. And well, well earned. 
well earned. <laughs> like <laughs> me, the Mitch Evans fan was like, can we kick him out of the series for that? <laughs> oh man, you're about to sound like a movie right now. <laughs> I want him off the set. <laughs> You're a nice I guy. Dead. But... I want his family dead. I want his house burned to the ground. You're a nice guy, but you can't be doing this. I want you off the set, etc. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it, oh, I was so mad at that when that happened. You have no idea. And I really like Sam Bird. Everybody likes Sam Bird. He's one of the nicest dudes in motorsport. <laughs> that, I think I think that makes it worse. I know. Because that's just that's not the kind of mistake you expect out of Sam. He just mi- completely missed the braking zone, locked the front tires, and that was that. He is the most apologetic man in the world on the radio afterwards. It was just, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm really sorry. It's like that South Park sketch where the guy just keeps finding more creative ways of saying I'm sorry. Uh, it was just, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Um, and you, you, look, Sam is a, is a genuine dude. You, you, you could tell he was clearly just really upset and he apparently went to all three dudes garages personally afterwards and apologized to all three of them i'm um, surprised he survived that endeavor I'm, I'm surprised like mitch didn't give him like a chair shot to the head afterwards like something under the wwe um so apparently if sam bird is still alive he will be racing in cape town n- next weekend but maybe um with a shorter life expectancy um but, <laughs> The one that gets me is that James Barkley was about to put his fist through the table as team principal. <laughs> he almost did the patented Toto Wolf uh, desk slam and then realized he didn't want to hurt his wrist. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of it, they just, they just cut to him with his arms above his head, looking at the ceiling like, oh my God. Oh, what a... And it's this... not like Bird has been amazing since since joining Jaguar in Formula E either. Like, he has struggled. Last year was his first winless season in Formula E, having joined that team. He's so he opened- started off this year really well, and then yeah. it all went down the drain in one moment. Wasn't particularly great in Deria either. I mean, he got yeah, he got one podium finish, but the other race he could have easily won, but then choked it. Um, mm. Yeah, just not a good time for Sam Bird right now. Um, we mentioned that Omar Tara reckoned his own front wing. Um, King. You know your motorsport, right? You've been around this for a long, long time. Have yep. you ever heard of a stranger incident? And what happened with Jake Hughes? Mm. Uh, the closest I could think of was, you know, that spat of fire extinguishers going off in F two. We get, you know, every <laughs> other season. Macrochrome shaking fist at the clouds. Um, at, for those who, for those who didn't hear this incident or didn't hear the radio regarding this because like jake hughes all of a sudden randomly out of nowhere is in the wall car is wrecked safety car deployed why his mirror fell off the car and then got it fell off into his cockpit and then jammed his steering wheel that's up there that is up (laughs) there on weird incidents taking drivers out that that is not a motor race that is a plot in a final destination movie like wh- what the hell that is remarkably bad luck i have never heard anything like that before in motorsport and yeah hughes was running in the top six and next thing you know crunch um yeah just the mother of all coincidences that's what pulled out the late safety car and had g- gave us an extra lap 
um, at the end of the race as well because of the, the extra time rule is now in laps rather than on the clock, obviously. Um, and that's what bunched the fuel up right at the end of the race. So, oh, oh bad luck, Jake. That's a rough one. Um, and it was a it was a bad weekend for Jake's in general. Um, Cam, what happened to Rene Rast? Uh, well, he uh, he was down bad and felt Apparently. like mounting something. Unfortunately, he mounted Jake Dennis's rear wing. Again, radio message on the radio. Well, that's fucked, says Jake Dennis, which was metaphorically and literally correct because he just, he, he mounted, like, in a very small amount of Rast's defense, he was trying to get out of the way of Oliver Rowland dive-bombing him from a mile back. Um, I say, if, if he didn't hit Dennis... If he didn't try to jump out of the way, Roland was going to hit him. Yeah, it was, it was, it was dive or be dived on. It was, uh, Rast was put in kind of an impossible situation, to be fair. It was, well, either you lock up here and take evading action or Roland's going to get you. And we all know Ollie Roland loves, loves a dive bomb. Um, oh, geez. So they, he ends up ruining the back of Dennis's car. Dennis ends up having to retire it because of the rear wing damage and, it we, we have a crack in the Verline Dennis. We're taking every top two spot alliance um, in this case because that's opened the door for Verline to come up and now has an eighteen point lead in the championship. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's basically gotten to the point where the only person in range of Porsche factory driver Pascal Verline is Porsche customer driver Jake Dennis. Now, and as a point of reference, Jake Dennis currently sits in second with 62 points. Jean-Eric Byrne and Sebastian Buemi both have 31 points. They're third and fourth. Yeah. It, and Pascal Verlein has 80. So, so Jev and Buemi are basically already two races back, and we've only had four. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it's, that's just it. Very, the the punishing consistency that Porsche has been able to display where Pascal's worst finish this year is fourth, and he's finished every race. Yeah. Oh, two wins, a second, and a fourth. And Dennis is the only man in the same postcode. Um, everybody else has had, like, one really good result and scraps everywhere else. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff won, but he's, he's done f all this season Hughes and Rast have had like one podium each and not much else otherwise Wemmy was probably going to be in a solid third if it wasn't for the for the drive through he had at the end of the race because he has been like sixth eighth sixth basically he's been decently consistent so far this year in the envision but uh yeah hit the line with no battery whoops um it's but uh yeah wow um it's it's already looking like it's going to be a two-horse race for the title how very unformidary <laughs> like isn't it normally the other way around where everybody's contender to like the last three races it's hilarious well, we, we, no more lottery qualifying that's what it that's what it does for you i suppose also a couple of other funky ones out here sergio sete camera finished fifth for neo Huh? <laughs> I just got I just got a nosebleed. <laughs> so did he. Um, <laughs> Neo, who's been nowhere all year long in a race where he didn't have to battery save as much. Sergio Sete Camera was fifth, which I think is their best finish as a team 
I, I want to say since 2017. It's been a while since a Neo's been this fast. I think Nelson PK Jr. was driving for them back then. Um, uh, remember Nelson PK Jr.? I do. Crash he was on Gate Legend. He was on, <laughs> he was on the broadcast team this week. <laughs> Oh my Ver- god, you're right. Yeah, because Vernon K wasn't there, so Nicky Shields was in charge of the production, and and Delson PK was 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 our right hand man. I was like, wow, this is a throwback. Um, not no good way either. Um, oh so my I- god, yeah, I mean, and that's like just consistency in FE will get you most of the way there. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And if you're winning and racking up podiums, that's even better. Hmm. Mm. And so that's with with Neo, Neo's had Neo's had speed. Oh yeah, it's just that their regen is just god awful. It's dreadful, and that, that's what's um, doing them in. Um, if if they can convert any of that qualifying pace into race pace, they'll get some good results. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, this was the exact sort of race that would play to their strengths. I.e., you don't have to save as much. They only added one lap extra on at the end, and generally speaking. It wasn't a super hard race on the battery. So, yeah, Neo came through. Also, then again, I might just throw that entire evidence out of the window when I saw that Motara finished 10th with no front wing and, <laughs> and Nico Muller in the Cupras, who have been dreadful all year long, was 11th. <laughs> they were this close to a point. This oh. close. <laughs> oh, what, a, what a wacky Formula E race this was. And like I said, like... Jack called it like one of the best formulary races we've ever had, and I'm just like, no, <laughs> this was just a classic. Respectfully, you're out of your mind. No, this was just a classic case of formulary leaning into the chaos. This is what this series does better than any series in motorsport, and that's part of the charm of it more than anything else. Um, just charm, he calls it. I, I, Charm is doing a lot of heavy lifting here, I admit. Um, just before we get out of here as well, we've been keeping tabs on Robin Fryne's health um, over the course of this season so far after that horrible um, broken wrist he suffered over in Mexico City. He got confirmation he won't be racing in Cape Town next weekend, understandably, uh, given the injury. But uh, he might be back for Sao Paulo. Because I think that, I think we're taking a month off in Formula E after this next race yep. in Cape Town. So yeah, so there's a good chance he'll he'll be back in Sao Paulo. So apparently the injuries healed up faster than people thought it was going to, which is nice. So get well soon, Robin. Hopefully he'll be back in Brazil. Kelvin Vanderlinde will fill in again from, for the Cooper guys uh, in Cape Town next weekend. Good luck to him. He's actually done pretty well for himself so far in the Cooper in that Cooper seat. Because hey, Kelvin Vanderland is a good driver. Who knew? Um, <laughs> a lot of us did. But uh, yeah, as mentioned, formidary back in t- back next weekend in Cape Town. Looking forward to seeing that one. The vibes will be immaculate. I'm sure, uh, no doubt on that one. But uh, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of uh, of the Motorsport 101 podcast. Shout out to King for joining in last minute. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Check him out on Jalopnik if you haven't already. I'm sure you have if you're listening to us. Um, and of course, we'll be back next time to chat a little bit about what happens after Cape Town. But basically, you can find us one more time, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, Facebook, same slash, Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. Uh, personal handles one more time, at Dre underscore WTF1, at Ryan Eric King, and at C Buckley 917. Instagram, motorsport101pod, website, motorsport101.com for all of our details and all that good stuff, and some extra written stuff as well, all over on there. We'll see you after Cape Town, because until next time, I've been Dre Harris, and they've been Ryan Eric King and Cam Buckley. 
Sayonara. Bye. Anyone got a senzu bean? I need a <laughs> senzu bean. I think Connor Daly took them all. <laughs> he was packing them into his rear suspension to make the car stop bouncing. <laughs>